0: Hey, everyone, it's Dr. Sam, and I'd like to welcome you to another iClarity podcast. Well, as promised, uh, I've been invited many different guests on my show, and today we have somebody very unique. Her name is Kim Conte, and she is founder of the national nonprofit Non-Toxic Neighborhoods. And... She is an amazing person who I really admire. I met her on her Instagram posts and she has assisted over 200 cities, counties and school districts to ban glyphosate and take organic and regenerative land management policies and legislation online. So she's trying to clean up The environment in all these common lands like parks and golf courses and places where people congregate and we don't realize how toxic these places are and she is. supportive for, of course, parents pet owners schools and universities landscape and professional uh, manager uh, city managers government officials. So Kim, I want to bring you on. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Tell me your uh, story on how you started this uh, non-toxic neighborhoods and how it how it's come about.
1: Sure, and thank you so much for having us. Um, it it found me. <laughs> My background's in traditional advertising, and I had no idea, kind of, this is where um, I would end up, but. It happened just by wanting to be able to protect my children and feeling like, as a parent, I had failed them. You know, we have our kids, we love them, we want to enjoy them and make sure they're in an environment where they're able to thrive. So, when we were living in Bermuda, Bermuda as a country had banned glyphosate due to its negative health impacts um, back in 2013. So, when we moved to California after we left Bermuda, we just assumed California would be organic and everybody's surfing and living this healthy lifestyle. Only to find out that my son's elementary school was using Roundup to show the children where to run in a circle on, you know, on the turf for the running club, and you know that was my aha moment, and and I guess. The failing part came from not finding out about this until my boys have played baseball um, you know since they were old enough to run basically and Mm -hmm. you know finding out that it's unfortunately still common practice to utilize both Roundup and 2,4-D which is you know the scariest herbicide most people don't know about and it's 50% Mm -hmm. of what makes up Agent Orange is used where they play. It's used, you know, Mm -hmm. in the fields at schools, it's used, you know, by your roundup living neighbor. (laughs) So, you know, we, we just wanted to work to fix this. So we worked with the city of Irvine and Irvine Unified School District back in 2016 to adopt organic land management. And in the beginning, a lot of it was trial and error. You know, we had to make sure that these policies were sustainable or it would have gone Back to utilizing um, harmful pesticides. And, you know, children and pets, um, we're, we're big animal lovers, and children and pets interact with their environment so um, aggressively at times. <laughs> you know, they're lower to the ground, hand and mouth behavior. You know, dogs are even eating the grass that potentially has been treated with 2,4 D which is actually applied directly to the turf. And it's, it's something that we just need to let other parents become made aware of. And again, I, I just felt like I should have known that, you know, we, we do all of these things to try and protect them. But for my third grader, you know, Mike was in third grade before we found out about this. So all of those years of exposure, we can't undo. So our our goal is to basically not be needed in 10 years and work to get every ball, field, park, um, and city free of these harmful pesticides.
0: Yeah, that's such an inspiring story. And you're right, people don't recognize or realize the toxic effects of these pesticides. I mean, from my side of it, because I've worked with you know autism and ADD for many years i see a lot of the well biochemical imbalances and i'm testing them that i go oh my gosh this is just um you know horrible you know and you ask parents well where where are you playing with your kids and you know they're playing baseball they're at the park and then the pets too you know our dogs and cats so um you know you came on my radar and um, you know, I was really interested in how you navigate this from a political point of view. What's the process that you actually go through in creating this awakening?
1: I, I honestly think the the process um, has been a lot um, easier to fine-tune once we just decided to stay solutions-based. So we've mm-hmm. all been marketed to... Us, that Roundup and these other you know, harmful pesticides are safe. You, you know, it has an EPA registration number, Environmental Protection Agency. So you just assume that the EPA wouldn't allow these toxins into the market unless they've been proven safe to do so. And I think humans are trusting. We trust that if a city park is utilizing something, near playgrounds or a school district is using something that has been proven safe. And the more we looked into the EPA, the more that we learned with our advisors that we're so grateful for. You know, they they helped explain how broken our regulatory system is. So the mm-hmm. EPA doesn't even test the inert ingredients, which can make mm-hmm. up to ninety eight percent of the total product is never tested,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Mm-hmm. And they have That's accumulative great. impacts, synergistic impacts. So we know how they harm us. We share with city staff, school district policy influencers, you know, kind of the bad news up front. <laughs> we, share, we share the negative mm-hmm. health impacts, but then really the focus is then to just see what they're currently utilizing and how we can support them to break that system, you know, to stop this game of pesticide whack-a-mole where, you know, a, a city we worked with banned glyphosate, all glyphosate-based products, and they were, it was a, a great step forward, only to find out the distributor pushed glyphosate active ingredient of Cheetah Pro on them. <laughs> so that, that does not equate yeah. <clears throat> to improving exactly. public health and safety in any way.
0: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> so we stay solutions-based and we have, mm-hmm. um, the goal of making sure that nobody has to reinvent the wheel. So again, we learn through trial and error what works, what doesn't work, and working mm-hmm. with city staff. and just, you know we mm-hmm. we don't recommend going to elected official unless you're stonewalled by the city staff. Then it's then you kind of have to increase the pressure a little bit.
0: Yeah, you need to have the leverage, I guess, to <clears throat> to be able to go to the politicians because it's so uh, invasive in terms of the pesticide use and it's just normal and natural that that's uh, what they do. And again, from my perspective in <clears throat> holistic uh, medicine, functional medicine, I've seen what these pesticides do to the brain, what they do to the immune system and people having chronic inflammatory diseases and you, know, you can't be helped by that. And of course with children, this is a really uh, essential thing that we take these pesticides out of our public spaces to protect our children. And I feel that in a lot of ways, our public health system is broken. And the way you're going about it is brilliant, because you're, you're doing it more on the grassroots local level. And it's built momentum. I mean, here you have over 200 cities, counties, school districts, that have awakened around this this problem. So we talked off air, and there's a project you're working on right now that you're really passionate about. Could you share with the audience uh, what you're what you're doing?
1: Sure. So you know, in this work, trying to move towards organic and regenerative land management, it's just one piece of the puzzle. <laughs> you know, you remove a delivery system of harm in city parks. And then we find out that it's only replaced with a cell tower or you know, something else that potentially can negatively impact our children. And the body burden on them is you know, something where they don't have really many spaces to escape from these exposures. So we worked with our partners at Center for Democratic and Environmental Rights Cedar, for short, and um, we drafted a model um, ordinance for Children's Environmental Bill of Rights that will bring back the power that our local elected officials need. You know, they take an oath to protect public health and safety, but in many ways, um, industry is so powerful with their lobbying and and just being able to kind of control the system that we, we saw the need for this because once you work to get an organic policy adopted, then we're helping cities get a moratorium for synthetic turf installations. You know, there's lead in the bleeds, the infill is an issue. So this way we wanted to be able to holistically protect children and empower elected officials to be able to do that.
0: You know, that's really great. Uh, another problem that I see with uh, all this pesticide exposure is how it gets into the water. Mm-hmm. And uh, once it gets into the water and you're drinking it, um, game over. And so, you know, being proactive and going after these uh, these different uh, pesticides and going into the communities is really fabulous. And so my listeners are... Going to be piqued by this and so how can they get involved how can they connect with you and uh, what can they do in their local community to create change
1: simply request a meeting with city staff we will provide talking points meeting materials our advisors have been great they will work to get peers of theirs who are based wherever the community city is to testify mm-hmm. and support and, and share the health impacts, because a lot of our pesticide mm-hmm. applicators and city staff are unaware of the true negative health impacts and consequences. Mm-hmm. And to your point with the watershed, um, we've had so much activation in Florida as a result of the red tides. You know, we just are getting out of a really bad one that impacted St. Petersburg, and we're working with St. Pete's, who just Purchased a foam stream machine which uses foam and technology to eradicate weeds and weed seed beds in place of chemical use. So Mm. it's just it's it's a no brainer like we we need all of these cities to adopt this type of land management, because, again, to your point, it's not just impacting our our children it's impacting our watersheds it's in our rain. Uh, we're working with a researcher in Florida. He's the one that did the study on the, the sea cows, the manatees, and that, I, I uh, saw that 58% of all of them had glyphosate in their plasma. You know, we, we need yeah. to just break the system and we share all of our organic toolkits. So if you mm-hmm. want to start your dialogue with your neighbor who lives Roundup, or if you want to take this on where your child goes to school, we have specific things and tools that you can utilize. We learned that the principal of any school has the power to ban pesticides. So if it's an immediate issue where they're announcing we're going to apply Roundup in the, you know next week, then there's a letter that's already been drafted that you can personalize and share with your principal. So we just try to attack it from every possible angle that people are dealing with and working in pesticide reduction.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, this is really good news. And uh, I would imagine another thing you're thinking about is just the whole agricultural industry uh, because Monsanto has really moved into at least regular agriculture. I know in the organic world and farmers markets, uh, that's one of the things I promote, shop locally, cultivate local farmers. How do you see it in terms of, you know, changing this in, in the agricultural industry?
1: Well, when you touch on ag, I think it also goes back to the accumulative and synergistic impacts on our children. So they're getting dermal exposure, inhalation exposure. And if they're eating foods that are contaminated with either GMOs or pesticides, it does accumulate in their bodies. And I'm sure you're familiar with them, but we We now utilize Great Plains Labs. Um, Unfortunately, it is not yet covered under insurance. So parents have to pay for it out of their pocket. But when children are showing or presenting autistic-like symptoms, a lot of times the pediatricians now are are requesting that parents go to Great Plains. And we have a little four-year-old girl in Orange, California that Um, her parents had a lot of trouble conceiving. So when they finally had Lily, they were so excited. They admit to being helicopter parents, they just wanna keep her safe and she was on a strict organic diet. Um, And with all of this, her four-year-old checkup, the pediatrician ordered the lab work and we found out that Lily was at the 95th percentile of glyphosate in her system. And she was Mm -hmm. literally off the charts with 2,4-D in her system. And that is simply from just playing in a city park. So then you take a child like Lily and have her, you know, eating conventional food. And it's just the, the body burden is too much for our kids. And I think, you know, we've seen it. We, we have friends that have been unable to conceive and their dream is to always have children. We have children in the in the school system that are needing assistance because of all of these, you know, learning disabilities and other situations. I mean, we're, we're a society that's sick right now.
0: Yeah, Great Plains Lab is definitely reputable for testing for glyphosate. And again, from my perspective, you know, I've been in private practice over 30 years and uh, test for it quite frequently when I see these really strange behaviors and it so affects our neurological functioning, our sensory motor, our developmental, uh, autoimmune. <laughs> autoimmune. autoimmune is another, uh, very common thing that I see. And it's, they call it idiopathic. We don't know what is causing it. Well, what is causing it is that you're laced with these pesticides and you're eating GMO foods and, um, you know, the toxic load, especially in children, is such that uh, you know they just can't overcome the um, the toxicities, and it affects their behavior, their brain, their development, and even parents who want to conceive. Exactly, it, that's a that's a big issue that's going on, and even in the air, you know we we get uh, exposed through air, expo- uh, you know through the air particles and you know, I I constantly talk on social media about how we can boost our microbiome and our immune system. And, you know, if we can do that, we take more a proactive approach and we're not just treating symptoms. We're not just using pharmaceutical drugs, but we're looking at it holistically. And you said this a few minutes ago, and I love that, that you're looking at this from a holistic perspective and you're solution-based. And I think that's effective as a strategy. So uh, Kim, how can people get in touch with you? What, what are the channels that you prefer for us to, to connect with you?
1: Sure. So through Instagram, um, that's how you found us through our website. We have mm-hmm. a section where, you know, if you're a pet parent, parent, golf course superintendent, there's different areas where you can connect with us. And then the team will immediately work with you to support your efforts from the first step of pulling the pesticide usage report so we get an idea mm. of what your city or school district is currently utilizing. So then we can work to get solutions and organic alternatives. Um, one thing to be cautious of is the greenwashing that's happening right now. Um, we require that all of our pesticides and/or inputs are both OMRI listed and Washington State Department of Ag certified because we have products that on the product themselves claim to be organic when they are not. And they even have ingredients like feather meal and other items that are on Prop 65. So we're not working this hard to, again, just play pesticide whack-a-mole. We really have to work to build soil health. And that's, you know, to your gut biome, Zach Bush, one of our advisors, you know, is, is really helping people understand how we are in this crisis moment and how we have to work on um, protecting our gut biome and how important it is for an entire system. You know, I, I don't think people really understand the importance of that and that glyphosate is a registered antibiotic, which was fascinating to learn. So. It's just our, our, our guts are off balance Our watersheds are impacted our soil, our air. So it's just I think the best path forward is just to start the dialogue, to start the conversation. And mm-hmm. other than Newport Beach, California and Orange, California, every other mm-hmm. city that we've worked with has adopted organic land management. Sarasota, Florida was one of the top three, but even Sarasota band glyphosate, and um, they're working to bring forward organic land management citywide.
0: Yeah, that's very inspiring. And just a point, uh, I've heard Dr. Bush talk about the, the earth's biome and the soil and how we need to replenish it. And I, I can tell you in, in my patients, when I do hair mineral analysis, they're all okay. depleted in their trace minerals. And this is another issue that the trace minerals are our spark plugs that make our Cells go and the mitochondria producing ATP. That's able to create a healthy detoxification pathway. When you've got glyphosate and other pesticides, uh, it, it just glunks up the sy- system. And with the inflammation, you're building oxidative stress, metabolic waste, and then of course, you know, it it really wreaks havoc on your your cellular health and your your biome. So, I'm glad he's uh, an advisor. I didn't know that. So. Um,
1: no, he, he's yeah, been great. We, we yeah. um, connected in Houston, actually. We spoke at it on a panel together. And to your point about agriculture, and he, he started Farmer's Footprint, and they're also partners of, of um, non-toxic neighborhoods, is that it's all connected, like the soil is connecting all of us. You know, when, when I started this journey working to protect my children when they're on the baseball field or at school, I had no idea how much it's about soil health, you know, and, and not everybody is ready to discuss that or learn about it. Um, but again, if if we can build soil health, it means that we're getting everything else right. Just like if we could effectively protect our children, then we get it right for everything else, you know. It's and to your point with the air, uh, we're dealing with many issues of environmental injustice and communities that don't have access to air that's safe to breathe because of their zip code. You know, so it's working to get those protections in place. And we were so excited the United Nations invited us to be on their North American panel for children's environmental rights. So we really hope that these major influencers can do more than have these very um, insightful meetings. You know, we're past that point. We need the United Nations, we need our elected officials from the city level to the state level to the federal level to get policies online with teeth. You know, we can't have them mm-hmm. watered down. We're not, we're, we mm-hmm. really are at a crisis moment right now with, with mm-hmm. the planet. So that's one thing that COVID-19 has done Uh, for us is it's really highlighted how important our green space is and how it's directly connected to our overall health and well-being.
0: Right on. Well, uh, if there's anything I can do for you, uh, please just call on me. And I want to thank you so much for your generosity in speaking with us today. And I'm sure we'll connect again. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for coming on. Thank you,
1: doctor. Thank you.